0: We have a diversity center uh, made up of all different minority groups and uh, they have endorsed the Hispanic Commission because they believe that what's going to come out of that most certainly will impact uh, all minorities.
1: This is Lawyer to Lawyer, the award-winning legal podcast with Jake Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. West Coast meets East Coast. And yes, they are attorneys, bringing you the latest legal news and observations every week with the leading experts in the legal profession. Produced right here on the Legal Talk Network.
2: Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. We're glad you could listen today. I'm Craig Williams from a somewhat overcast and dreary Southern California. Yeah, and this is Bob Ambrogi
3: coming to you from Massachusetts, where I write a blog called Law Sites and another blog called Media Law and
2: practice law as well. I write a blog called uh, May It Please the Court. I have a book out called How to Get Sued. And surprisingly enough, Bob, I also practice law. (laughs) Um, We should thank our sponsors today. In fact, we have a new sponsor, SunTrust, who offers private wealth management solutions for attorneys and legal firms, and you can find them at suntrust.com forward slash law. And Clio, longtime sponsor, a web-based practice management software program you can find for lawyers at goclio.com. Craig, a new year
3: is upon us, and uh, as it is, the American Bar Association is beginning to carve out a new agenda and preparing to have a new president.
2: Well, Bob, on this week's Lawyer to Lawyer, we're thrilled to welcome president-elect of the American Bar Association to discuss his new role as president, his agenda, inspiring our youth through law and goals for the upcoming year.
3: Our guest today is Miami lawyer Stephen N. Zach, a partner in the national law firm Boies, Schiller & Flexner, and a founding member of the Cuban American Bar Association. Stephen Zach was elected as president elect of the American Bar Association. He will be the first Hispanic American to serve as president of the ABA. The son of a Cuban mother and American father, Zach is focused on promoting civics education, the importance of inspiring a new generation of lawyers, and ABA programs that advance access to justice for everyone in the United States. Uh, in addition, he will work to create a commission on Hispanic rights. Uh, in his law practice, uh, uh, among his many achievements, uh, he represented the uh, he represented Vice President Gore in the now notorious Bush versus Gore case. Uh, welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer, Attorney Stephen Zach.
0: Thank you for the opportunity.
3: Well, let's start off with congratulating you on this great honor and uh, on becoming the first Hispanic American to become the uh, president of the American Bar Association. Uh, did you ever dream that you'd find yourself in this position?
0: No. Uh, it was uh, probably the last thing that I uh, would have ever thought about when I was fortunate enough to come up uh, to the United States in 1961.
3: Tell us about that. You grew well, up in Cuba.
0: I, I was actually uh, born in the United States because my father was American, as you mentioned, and uh, my mother's Cuban, but I immediately left for Cuba and lived there till uh, I was about 14 years of age. And uh, a lot of what happened to me uh, in Cuba and the Personal experience of actually uh, losing my liberty, which was is not theoretical in my lifetime, or uh, not theoretical for my family. Uh, in many ways, has influenced both my desire to be a lawyer and uh, to do what I'm doing today.
2: Is there any one person that influenced you beyond the uh, the issue of losing your liberty?
0: Well, there uh, obviously um, was, and, and I would say my. You said one person, right? Well, you go feel free. There's one person and maybe one experience uh, that uh, I'd be happy to share. And uh, the one person was my grandfather, who, um, when he was leaving Cuba, um, was obviously uh, very sad the government had taken away everything he had spent his lifetime uh, working for. And he actually had come to Cuba from Russia, uh, where he uh, was escaping uh, his uh uh, loss of liberty there uh, at a very young age, in the early uh, 1900s, um, and had come in as a, as an immigrant and had uh, um, worked his way up from a push car to uh, having a wonderful life and being a good citizen, and uh, looked very sad. And I, uh, I said uh, to him, you, you're obviously very sad, uh, Grandpa. And he said, well, I never thought I'd be a refugee twice in my life and i said but but he he kind of smiled for a second and I asked him what what he was thinking and he said well that he knows he'd never be a refugee again because he was going to the united states and if the united states fell there'd be no place to go so that stayed with me and um the uh when we tried to leave the country um we were actually taken off the plane and put in in communicado for uh, one evening over at the G2 at the airport which is their KGB equivalent in Cuba and um, of course I was 14 years old and uh, it was an amazing feeling of helplessness and concern and despair and not knowing whether you ever see your family again and uh, feeling that uh, you know th- this was just wrong and somebody should do something about this or somebody should care and uh That's very consistent with the ABA's motto of defending liberty and pursuing justice, Uh, doing something about that and caring about people who uh, are in similar situations around the world.
3: Steve, you recently announced uh, some of the issues that you want to focus on during your presidency of the ABA, uh, and I'd love to hear more about those. But I, I wonder, first, if you could just address... The role of the ABA overall, uh, do you uh, see? And I'm sure you do, given the position that you're in. Uh, the ABA as a as continuing to be an important organization within the legal profession. And if so, what? Is, why is it so important?
0: Well, I think uh, it transcends uh, the legal profession, and I think that's probably part of why it's so important. Uh, most people know or have heard of uh, the American Bar Association, but really, even lawyers, uh, some lawyers don't have an idea what it really does, and uh, what it stands for, and it it consists of 400,000 members. It is uh, the largest voluntary association in the world, not just voluntary association of lawyers. Um, And it has an annual uh, budget of $100 million, and it impacts uh, every American uh, every day in some way in their lives, uh, from uh, the way that uh, they are treated by the law to the way uh, they are, allow, they are given access to our system of justice, to consumer rights, to uh, every, virtually every aspect uh, of our life today touches upon some aspect of the law.
2: Well, tell us about the pilot program that you started involving civics education and educating students on the law.
0: Yeah, you know, again, that kind of uh, has grew out of my experience in, in Cuba as well. Um, I actually have on my desk the Cuban Constitution both in English and Spanish, from when Castro took power. And it is the exact uh, same constitution uh, as we have in the United States today. And uh, actually, if you look at the Chinese constitution and the Russian constitution, pretty good constitutions, but they are meaningless unless they are understood and the obligations are understood by the next generation of Americans. Uh, Sandra Day O'Connor, who's been very involved with us and with this issue for uh, a very long time, says uh, her quote is the best, which is this is something that's not uh, transferred in the gene pool. Uh, the working of our government and uh, the rights we enjoy and how we defend those rights uh, must be relearned by each generation. And unfortunately, um and Justice Souter, who uh, recently attended our annual meeting, in his speech to the American Bar Association, pointed out that three out of every four graduating high school students today believe that the three branches of government are Republican, Democrat, and Independent. And that's a very uh, that's a based on very real statistics, uh, which is a, is a, is a scary statement. Um, and you you might wonder how this this happened. Because uh, I don't know when you went to school, but when I went to school, uh, civics was absolutely required. Starting about ninth grade, you had your civics courses and your government courses. But when no child left behind did not test in civics, civics stopped being a mandatory course taught in most high schools in the United States. And became an elective, and in some high schools it'd be hard to believe, but is it's it's the truth. It isn't even offered. So you have this generation of Americans uh, graduating from high school uh, with no idea about uh, what the Bill of Rights uh, says. As A matter of fact, when when the Bill of Rights were, was read recently to a group of people on the on the street, and they asked, uh, you know, what was the origin of this document? About 50% of them said they thought it was a communist doctrine. Uh, And any of us who watch jaywalking knows that uh, uh, what seems at first blush pretty funny uh, could be a disaster for this country. So that's the genesis of it.
3: So what what can the ABA do about that? I mean, it sounds like you're talking about a problem uh, that's in our schools and and that's in our communities. Uh, What's the ABA's role in addressing that?
0: The ABA is going to have a very specific role. We are going to establish uh, the American Bar Academy, and the American Bar Academy uh, will be taught by uh, the, uh, the the faculty will be consists of the 400,000 members of the American Bar Association, uh, which uh, will go into every high school in America, and we will uh, provide a curriculum. And what we're talking about is, uh, and this is a conceptual idea that is in the process of uh, being worked out with very specific uh, dates, times, and implications, but the concept is that we would go into high schools, let's say over a three-day weekend like President's Weekend, uh, with uh, ABA lawyers with uh, the curriculum, and we're working very close with the Annenberg Foundation, uh, who already has uh, uh, some of this curriculum available, uh, as well as uh, with Georgetown and uh, there's a number of areas where uh, the uh, civics curriculum has uh, been developed, and we will uh, provide the teachers and the curriculum uh, to teach. Uh, and the idea is that you'll have about 30 students who will be selected in their junior year, uh, half of which will be uh, women and minorities, and they will be taught civics by lawyers uh, from the ABA, and uh, hopefully uh, they will take that uh, back to uh, their classes and uh, and be teachers for the rest of their students. We also have requested that um, any law firm who's a member of the American Bar Association, and as you know, most law firms in the United States uh, have membership in the ABA, um, the, that they allow anyone who has a certificate of graduation from of these from the ABA Academy to come for a day and work in their law firm and see what the rule of law in our country is about and uh, how important the law is to them and their families.
2: Well, you you've also had some opinions about law school education. Uh, do you want to share those with our listeners as well?
0: Well, for sure, uh, we have to make law school affordable. Um, law school today, and I just had a niece who graduated law school with one hundred fifty thousand dollars in debt. Um, that is a problem. Just not only for because it's a huge amount of money, uh, but it inhibits the these next generation of lawyers to service our society where it really needs it the most, and that is providing legal services to minorities and women, 80% of whom do not have access to our court system. As we always talk about, we are fighting uh, to establish the rule of law around the world, but the rule of law begins with access, and access uh, requires that we have lawyers who are assisting in those areas, and if, in fact, um, you have that kind of debt, Uh, going into public service and government service is very, very difficult because you've got to repay that debt. So one of the things we have, actually, I was talking to the banking committee, I'm in Washington today, but we were talking to the banking committee yesterday about um, the fact that we're we're trying to get them to, uh, one, extend uh, the repayment period for those loans, and two, to provide uh, loan forgiveness for lawyers who are willing to work in the public sector, and provide the services that are needed by uh, by people in in uh, areas uh, that cannot afford lawyers.
3: I read uh, an interview with you in which you said that you had, uh, while you were preparing for your term as president, hoped to read reports exploring the issue of Hispanic legal rights in America, but you couldn't find a single one.
0: Yeah, that was really scary, to tell you the truth. Uh, Hispanics today are the largest minority in the country. They're between 20 and 22% and it is the fastest-growing minority in our country. And um, there are numerous issues from uh, uh, voting rights, immigration, to the way the court system uh, handles Hispanics, um, to educating uh, young Hispanics that that need to be addressed. And the fact that there wasn't a single commission uh, that I've been able to discover uh, that has looked at this, to me, was uh, worrisome. and uh, We are going to create that commission, and uh, they will be looking at those issues.
3: And how how would the issues facing Hispanics differ, if at all, from the issues facing other minority groups in this country?
0: Well, I actually, uh, in some ways, they don't. And a matter of fact, uh, the ABA, one of its four mission uh, statements is uh, to increase diversity in the profession. And we have a diversity center. Uh, made up of all different minority groups, and uh, they have endorsed this Hispanic commission because they believe that what's going to come out of that most certainly will impact uh, all minorities, but there are some specific issues, uh, as uh, you probably have been reading about uh, the census issues and uh, how um, Hispanics will um, answer the census you know that uh in the census you have self identification you have people who are afraid to answer the census you have in the hispanic community you have language issues um that are are are, are different uh, you most certainly have immigration issues that are that are different um so all those are uh unique to the hispanic uh community but that also transcend just the hispanic community and whatever the commission does Uh, for Hispanics will have a beneficial effect for all minorities.
2: You've also talked about how you really want to inspire a new generation of lawyers. What's your perspective on how you're going to accomplish that?
0: Well, uh, you know, the first thing I ask them is, you know, how is history going to remember this generation of lawyers, the ones graduating now? Historically, uh, lawyers have have been the Founding Fathers of our country, uh, have written the Declaration of Independence, uh, the Bill of Rights, uh, the Constitution, have, um, you know, we had a lawyer president who um, saved the Union and Abraham Lincoln. Uh, We had lawyers like Thurgood Marshall, who ultimately went on to the Supreme Court, who fought uh, in the civil rights uh, arena, and um, a past president of the American Bar Association, Uh, called uh, on Nixon to resign after he fired the independent prosecutor, uh, saying that no man was above the law. So um, I've challenged them to ask themselves, you know, what are they going to do? And how will they be remembered? Are they just going to be remembered? as, you know, the mouthpiece of the rich and powerful, or are they going to tackle the important issues facing uh, our society, like the environment and like providing uh, access to our court system, and how are, they going to, how are they going to participate in a new world order of law?
3: Diversity continues to be a concern within the legal profession. What more could the ABA be doing to increase diversity within the profession and to encourage more minority students to go to law school?
0: Well, the first thing we do is we uh, find out what the facts are. And we issue a report every year looking at that issue. So people, some people tend to delude themselves and say, well, you know, uh, uh, it, it, our work is over here. Um, we have actually had two, uh, uh, presidents, um, uh, who are African-Americans and, uh, and we have had four women presidents of the American Bar. And after 134 years, we have, a Hispanic American. So you can see that at the very, uh, highest levels that any minority can participate, uh, f- uh very actively in the American Bar Association. Uh, but we also have, um, what I mentioned earlier is this diversity center under which has a number of programs, including our pipeline program. And our pipeline program uh, is essential to minority participation in our profession because the, unless we get uh, young lawyers in the pipeline, really means getting them into law school and getting them graduated from law school and having them have a meaningful, positive experience once they graduate uh, from law school. One thing, we, we, we wrote a report last year uh, that uh, even after we successfully had minority uh, students graduate and go into fine law firms, that they were leaving uh, the profession because they weren't satisfied with um, a number of aspects of the profession that needed to be changed uh, and how they were welcomed into the profession. And unless our profession mirrors society and it must mirror society, then we will not have the respect necessary uh, for the profession uh, to protect liberty and to uh, uh, do what our job is.
2: Well, you've also been quite an advocate for Hispanic rights, and I believe that you're working to create a commission on Hispanic rights. Uh, how have your your experiences, you just talked about your grandfather, what has influenced you to really make this uh, this commission, and what is it that you want to accomplish?
0: You know, um, it's, it's. you mentioned earlier the Cuban American Bar Association. and uh, When I uh, came, uh, started practicing law in Miami in 1972, uh, I went into court one day with a friend of mine. I went to uh, American Cuba. In Cuba, there were... Cuban Cuban schools and Cuban American schools, where you uh, could take uh, what's called bachillerato or high school, and I went to the same school my my uh, mother went to and my uncle was over the years, and it was a school where uh, you were taught in English even though uh, during the breaks and everything you spoke Spanish. So I didn't have a heavy accent, but my uh, my good friend did. And uh, the judge looked at him, and this is not some uh, thing that someone told me. This is something I witnessed myself and said, you know, come back when you can speak English. And, uh, you know, I guess uh, that would never happen today uh, because uh, people are more sensitive to the political correctness. But I'm not sure that we have won the battle um, of people not having uh, feelings towards minorities that uh, uh, they need to be aware of and to sensitize uh, them to the importance of treating everybody equally. So that's one of the aspects of the commission, to make sure that there is equal treatment within our court system for minorities and Hispanics uh, uh, in that process.
2: Well Steve, we need to take a short break. When we return, we'll talk with President-elect Stephen Zack from the American Bar Association about his goals for the upcoming year. Imagine how much easier managing your practice would be if your practice management software was web-based. Your practice would be available anywhere you have an internet connection, completely secure, backed up continuously, and most importantly, easy to use, allowing you to spend your valuable time building your practice instead of managing technology. Start simplifying your practice today with Clio. Send it for a free, fully functional 30-day trial at www.goclio.com. Use promotional code L2L for a 25% discount.
1: Don't miss out on the latest and new media marketing opportunities for your firm. Contact Deb Curran at 781-551-9960 and learn all about the Web 2.0 revolution.
3: Welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. We are back speaking with Miami lawyer Stephen and Zach, partner in the national law firm of Boys, Schiller and Flexner, and president elect of the American Bar Association. Steve, uh, the country and, and the legal profession included has just been through and, and perhaps is still in the midst of one of the worst uh, economic downturns uh, it's seen in generations uh what do you what's your, what's your uh prognosis for the legal profession and and what uh role will the ABA take in helping to bring about uh a recovery if you will uh, within the legal profession
0: well there actually uh are 10,000 less lawyers practicing today than there were a year ago so you can see the very uh, significant impact it has had on the legal profession and uh, in many law schools, uh, they're facing um, situations where 80% of the class has uh, not been able to obtain a job, and in many instances, the the, the real problem is that a year later, 50% of those uh, graduates uh, haven't been able to obtain a job. Um, I think slowly we're coming out of that. Uh, there is a real need for unmet legal services uh, in the country, but as I... As, talked about earlier, uh, there are in areas um, uh, that don't pay very well and that are um, involving public interest type of lawyers who are, are absolutely essential to delivering uh, access, but we're going to have to uh, do a better job and um, one of the things that we again talked about is getting this loan forgiveness program that will help lawyers provide that access uh, to people who desperately need it. You know, the downturn uh, was particularly was particularly difficult for women and for minorities. You can see that in the foreclosure um uh, disaster that we have going on around the country. Um so the the needs are there. We just got to uh provide the lawyers uh to the people uh who need the most and make sure that there's an economic basis uh, uh for for them to uh to get the services they need.
3: What's your p- position on the movement towards uh, allowing uh, the unbundling of legal services to allow lawyers to perhaps uh, represent uh, people in, in components of a case rather than an entire case?
0: Well, the ABA is looking at all those things. As a matter of fact, the, 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 um, the House of Delegates, which is made up of 540 lawyers from every section, every state, from the judiciary, uh, passed policies on uh, various uh uh, of those uh, uh policy considerations um, one thing we should talk about is you know what uh, not just the unbundling but you know what's the practice uh, going to look like in 10 years and people are surprised to hear uh even lawyers uh that practice day to day the profession that in Australia uh, there is a uh, there's public ownership of law firms uh next year there will be public ownership of law firms in um in England and Wales, uh will that happen here? How that will affect the profession uh whether there today there are virtual law firms where actually law firms uh, are are more on internet uh than they are really in in real space um, the 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 future of the law is very very interesting, and I think it's very exciting uh for people going into the profession and uh, and that's why I think the profession has a healthy future, even with the loss of immediate employment. I think law, the long-term prospect, because of the uh, globalization of the law, uh, is uh, is exciting. I mean, people uh, potentially will be practicing with uh, uh, lawyers from other countries, uh, the outsourcing of legal services around the world. America still is the leader in uh, providing legal services uh, to uh, to the world, and I think we'll uh, maintain that position into the future. But it is, it's an exciting profession to be part of today.
2: Steve, along those lines, what do you see as the future for the nationalization of attorneys' ability to practice state to state in the United States?
0: Well, you know, we looked at that. Uh, there, there's two different issues. Uh, there is the well, we, what we that's referred to as a multi-jurisdictional practice. And the the way the law is for people who aren't uh, uh, lawyers, uh, who are your listeners, is that you have to be licensed in a specific state. The reason for that is that uh, in most states, uh, the Supreme Court of that state uh, is in control of the legal profession and the ethics of the profession. Now, in a vast majority of states, and I'm not sure what the exact number is, but it's in the 30s. You actually can. get licensed uh, in those states without taking an additional exam um, if you uh, have been practicing for a certain number of years and have your requisite uh, ethical uh, uh, letters of recommendation. Um, However, in quite a few states, uh, you, you still have to test their bar association the ABA studied that uh, probably about five years ago and it was decided that we would not make a change at that time um, we probably will be looking at, at that again we also looked at the multi disciplinary practice which is another aspect of it that's very interesting which you have in most European countries where lawyers and accountants you know, practice in the same law firm that's not permissible in the United States and frankly, uh, there are difficult, different ethical considerations that these professions have. And the ABA um, uh, declined to uh, recommend multidisciplinary practice, and that's kind of when Enron came into the picture, and uh, there were a lot of issues that uh, developed out of that that uh, made it so that that issue uh, hasn't come back up.
3: See, we have to ask you quickly about Bush v. Gore. Uh, (laughs) Such a such a momentous case. Uh, What what was your takeaway from that? What did you learn from that case?
0: Yeah, that's that's a great question Uh, because you know how people feel about that case depends on who they want to see win. But (laughs) I was asked the exact same question when I recently spoke to a graduating law school class in China, and. My answer to you is the same as I said to them, and that is that in the United States, uh, when we have a problem, we turn to our lawyers and not to our generals. And uh, thank God we we do, and um, no matter what uh, side of that issue you were on, uh, you wanted the ultimate decision to be respected, uh, because it was issued by the courts. And that's what, uh, and Al Gore, uh, to his great credit, uh, the one thing that he said to uh, all of us representing him was, uh, we, he did not want, uh, the courts, uh, right to make these decisions ever questioned. And, uh, I think that's part of his legacy. Well,
2: you've talked about a number of things today. Um, before we wrap things up at the end of the program here how are how can lawyers get involved with the initiatives that you've discussed
0: well um one, they can um become members of the a b a uh two that even um without becoming members of the a b a we have uh a number of programs that they may want to participate in um One of the things that i'm I've asked our membership committee to look at uh for next year is um, actually for non-lawyer to be members of the ABA, to have an affiliate membership, because as I said earlier, the, the law affects uh, all of us in so many different ways. So we're looking at a lot of different ways that people can get involved in the ABA uh, in a way that they're comfortable. We, we publish uh, hundreds and hundreds of books that you can go online and look at that, that people who aren't lawyers are interested in knowing what their legal rights are and should know what their legal rights are. But um, anybody who uh, would like to know more about the ABA can uh, go on the website, uh, www.abanet.org, and uh, they will uh, be able to spend a lot of time there seeing the uh, opportunities that the ABA offers.
2: Uh, We've just about reached the end of our program, so what we'd like to get from you is your final thoughts to wrap things up and your contact information should any of our listeners would like, like to reach out to you and discuss some of your programs.
0: All righty. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about uh, the ABA and the importance of the rule of law in our society. And uh, the ABA will continue to do everything it can to protect the citizens uh, uh, as to their most fundamental rights. Uh, The way to uh, reach me personally uh, is through Windsor, W-I-N-D-S-O-R, capital P, at staff.abanet.org.
3: And of course, your, your, your law firm is, uh, is Boyce Schiller. They're on the web at www.bsfllp.com.
0: LLP.com. And you can most certainly reach me through there. Um, I'm in the Miami office, and uh, I'd love to uh, get any thoughts that uh, uh, folks may have of uh, how we can improve what the ABA does and assist them in uh, their life uh, as well. Well,
2: congratulations, Stephen. We're really proud of you and and your appointment to the president-elect of the American Bar Association, and I wish you the best of luck with the programs that you've described for the upcoming year.
0: Well, I hope we get a chance to talk about them in the future, and uh, let me know if I can uh, in any way continue to to help you all in getting the message out.
2: Thank you very much. Well, Bob, that does it for this week's Lawyer to Lawyer. For our listeners, remember you can check out all of our Lawyer to Lawyer shows at LegalTalkNetwork.com.
3: Thanks a lot, Craig. And let me just add my thanks to Steve for being on the program uh, and my congratulations to him. And uh, thanks to you, Craig. I look forward to talking to you next week about another great legal topic.
2: Yep. And for our listeners, remember, you can check out our Legal Talk Network shows on iTunes as well. We'll be back next week. See you then. See you then.
1: Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. Every week, a new legal topic that you won't want to miss.